catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter as well. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Rob, it's been an interesting week. I even notice in my opening spiel that my... My voice is elevated. It's a little bit less glum, you know. Uh, although you could you could argue that some United fans are more glum than they were last week. So it's been it's interesting, right? It's been an interesting week. It is. It's been an interesting week, and and I always think that Manchester United is some kind of government health experiment sometimes, because the the weight of emotion and opinion is already so based and polarized on some strange views. But I also think now coming up to Christmas, that it is pantomime season and we're getting there with Manchester United. We're seeing that they go to Tottenham Hotspur. They win a game playing a completely new system, a system that maybe the guy who was going to take over and Antonio Conte might have played a 3-5-2. And what happened? United went and stuffed Spurs on their own ground. Ole gets all the plaudits for that and Spurs sack their manager. So it's, it's a strange game football and it shows how quickly things can turn. Yeah, uh, yes, indeed. We will be talking today about, we won't go too much into the Spurs game. We might look at the system, uh, but overall what that win means for Ollie and his position as manager. We've spoke about over the last few weeks how he was under a lot of pressure. There were people waiting in the wings. Uh, We will also discuss the players being fully behind the manager and what the context is there. We'll also be looking at, you know, United's win at Spurs, meaning that Antonio Conte is now out of the running to become United manager because he's going to take the Spurs job. We are uh, recording this ahead of the confirmation, but we are expecting it quite soon. Um, we'll talk about Ollie's position in general and look ahead to the Man City clash on Saturday at Old Trafford, which a week ago looked like it could have been the end of Ollie's reign had he lost it. But we'll just talk about the the surrounding feeling uh, and what that win at Spurs might have done for his position and if he can actually survive a defeat against City and keep hold of his job. So, uh, Rob, where should we start? Should we look at the system change? Because it was mooted, I think, for a little while. But I think the way that I was looking at form over the last few weeks and the fact that United were conceding so many goals, I mean, if you put a stop to that, it instantly becomes a lot easier to win games because United were conceding so many goals that they were always having to come back you know, score two, score three, however many it was because they were letting the opposition through. But they switched to a back three. Um, What did you make of that change? And United stopped Spurs having a shot on target in that game as well. So was it a success? Do you think it's something that they can persist with? Well, when you're faced with the deep cut or wound, the first thing you have to do, of course, is to stop the bleeding. So that's really important. And I think that... 
that's really what Solskjaer and his coaches were addressing before the Spurs game was that things have been so bad defensively and through the team and the shape of the team in 4-2-3-1, a shape that they play all the time, that that even the core values of what he was trying to do, not even attacking-wise, were just not working through midfield and through defence. You could see how how bad it's got in recent weeks. So I think for Ole, it was a little bit more of a roll of the dice for the last time. Let's stand at the the kind of cribs table, roll the dice and see what I can do with my system. So he switched to three at the back. And I don't think that was a huge surprise because I think that is the, the kind of natural course of going when you've got four, you've got to try and then maybe uh, push a wingback system. Ole quoted that himself before the game, said he was going to play wingback. So it was quite interesting in itself. But... You know, when you came up against Spurs, a team that are not playing well themselves, it was a good time to do that. And of course, the system was all about one guy. It's about Cristiano Ronaldo. How can you get the most out of this world global superstar, your number seven, your hero, your legend? How can you find a way to keep him on the football pitch? Because I tell you this, Scott, the way it's been, and you look at the system, the way it has unfolded in the last few weeks, it's crystal clear that with 4 2 3 1, or even 4-3-3, that you cannot play Cristiano Ronaldo. You can't. It doesn't fit. It doesn't suit him. He doesn't do the kind of work in those areas. He wants to be in the box. So you saw at Spurs that Cavani went and did the work. That whole shape of 3-5-2 allowed Ronaldo to just kind of stand in the area that he wanted to be. And Cavani just kind of ran around him at the kind of screened around the back and the side and looked after those areas. And it worked. So this is the whole thing about tactics is that you need tactics that work for your players. So congratulations to Ole for doing that. Now it's about in the weeks ahead, if he can kind of carry on, you know, holding back the bleeding. Like I said, do you go back to 4-2-3-1? Do you try something even more progressive like 4-3-3? I think he'll be safe. I think Ole is a relatively conservative coach. And the problem of Ronaldo, and I use the word problem, is that he has to play. You're not going to be able to put him on the bench so you can play different systems. So I think we'll carry on seeing this system for the weeks ahead. We will see just how far they go. Uh, obviously, there's an international break coming after the City game, so perhaps United can uh, just review what's what's happened. And I, I, this I, this struck me as a, a way to stem the bleeding that had occurred over the last few weeks. Uh, I just have a few concerns personally about how long they can persist with this system because of what it means for the players that they have the younger players that they've invested in. So, you know, Greenwood and Rashford have come through the system. Rashford obviously came on as a as a substitute and added his name to the score sheet. But we haven't seen Jaden Sancho for a while. You uh, you don't spend 73 to 75 million pounds just to play someone on the bench. Uh, so where does he fit into this system? And I, I kind of do feel that it isn't a viable option moving forward, but... Just how long can they go? I, I, could they go the entire season playing a back three, three five two? I'm not entirely sure. Could they play one striker with two wider forwards? Maybe. Uh, but speaking of Cavani, I, I was I went to the game the other day. I was so impressed with him. He, he perhaps he can't play every single game, but his appetite to get stuck in and do the work that Ronaldo won't do, uh, it made such a difference. Uh, Jamie Carragher touched on it on Monday Night Football as well, but it was so obvious to see even in the ground, there was a specific moment where the ball was flittering around the box and came out, Spurs won possession and passed it into midfield. Cavani just sprinted backwards to stop a counter-attack. Uh, and that's what he offers you. And he ob- 
obviously offers a bit of quality in the final third as well. He seemed to strike up an understanding with Ronaldo. The second goal was lovely. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, I want Cavani in the team more, but there's a lot of players in this in this attacking system that need game time. Uh, and when you take one position out of it and you're only playing three players further forward, it limits your options. So what of the likes of Sancho and Greenwood? Could you see them working in this system, Rob? No, just a blatant kind of truth. Uh, unfortunately, with this system is there's going to be some sacrifices made for short-term results. So I, I agree with you. You know what Cavani brings to the table? Everyone knows he's a workhorse, but he's also a sublime striker. He can score great goals. You know, the, the goal, the link up with Ronaldo was fantastic for that second strike. I think the big issue here is for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is how does he save his job in the short term? And that will mean sacrificing youth. And he even said a really kind of telling little phrase at the end of the game when he was obviously severely relieved 3-0 victory at Tottenham. And he said, you know, I played my experienced players and it was time. And I think kind of why he said that was that he has tried to chop and change. He's tried to find a way to get these guys into the team in his normal system. But I think that's a failure on him and not the players. You know, I, I look at that and he's now going to put out a system and I think he'll stick with 352 for the for the long haul. I really do. I think that that is the safest system to protect David De Gea and to protect that goal and to stop teams ripping through United like they have this season so embarrassingly. And I think that he'll play that system and he's going to play two strikers up top with a combined age of 70. Now that ain't the United way. That isn't how this season was supposed to look. You know, before Ronaldo came, this season was supposed to be the year that we let Greenwood, Rashford and Sancho off the leash and go and play 4-3-3 and go and play a progressive system that can go and win you the league. I don't think United can win the league playing 3-5-2, but I do think that they can stop conceding goals. Games might get a little bit more boring. No, the Tottenham game wouldn't kind of show that, but I think that's also about Tottenham Hotspur and how bad they were. You know, they sacked their manager straight afterwards. Uh, but I think with Ole, it's it's preservation now. Whether it will work against Man City, a team that will play tiki-taka across the front and they'll play a more kind of controlled style uh, with United, then who knows? But I also think that United will have a better shape. So they should be able to deal with what Manchester City do well. Yeah, it was noticeable uh, on Saturday to see that they they were all pretty well drilled. They all knew uh, where they should be. The work ethic was there and maybe it was a reaction to the Liverpool game, but or maybe it was a reflection of how Tottenham weren't working that hard and United were just outworking them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they can maintain that level of desire and that kind of thing moving forward. A Manchester derby is, you know, it speaks for itself really. They should really be up for that game and giving it their all in that. But we've obviously seen, obviously seen in the last few weeks that... Uh, doesn't always make sense and it doesn't always happen when uh, Liverpool roll into town and score five goals at Old Trafford. Uh, question on Ollie. So in the opening few weeks, obviously with uh, the poor performances, uh, not great results, or some awful results in some cases, uh, is it, did we see Ollie try and change his system and change his style and play more correct progressively as you've just mentioned there? And it absolutely blow up in his face. Yeah, he was trying to maybe evolve his style of play, evolve his way of play, and it's ended up nearly costing his job. So now he's just reverting to type in a sense, not necessarily formation-wise, 
But in terms of, you know, keeping it tight and then trying to use the extra quality that he's had in attack, and that's generally how United have won games during his tenure so far. They haven't been able to play on the front foot at all times. You know, the, the, the wins, especially in derby games, have been like, you know, keeping it tight and then using that extra bit on the break. I don't think United really played that much on the break the other day, but there were elements of that, elements of the old style creeping in to me. Uh, is this just a case of Ollie accepting that he's basically failed at trying to play more progressively and now he's just doing whatever he can to hold on? Absolutely. That's what I think is happening. I think that he, you know, we look at the transfer window and stuff that he said over the last two or three years, you know, he's always talked up wanting to play a progressive system, something similar or akin to 4-3-3. So you go and buy Varane, you go and buy Sancho, and that lends itself to that philosophy. You know, you're bringing in two areas that will be fixed with those two players. You're putting a young buck at the top end of the pitch, one of the best players, uh, forwards in Europe with this and certainly statistically in the Bundesliga, you are fixing those bits. Then Manchester United going by Cristiano Ronaldo and everything changes. So, uh, you know, I said countless times that when you're a manager, you can't say no to Cristiano. Someone says to you, we're going to give you one of the greatest strikers of all time. You're not going to say, I don't want him in my team, but I do think that already in a short window we have seen the issues with Cristiano. And I remember that when we, we took, did our show about Ronaldo signing for United and we, everyone was very high and excited and rightfully so, because it's a big day. It's a big, you know, it's a historic day in the, in the football club. We all still kind of said, but it doesn't really solve the issues. You know, this is a kind of feels like a little bit of a vanity signing. You know, it doesn't, it's not exactly what you need. You know, what's going to happen in the midfield? Well, we've seen this year that Manchester United have just been carved open game after game after game against poor opponents, against good opponents, against everyone. So I do think the Solskjaer's gone, right, how do I stop this? Well, I plug gaps. So 3-5-2 plugs gaps and it allows you to keep Ronaldo on the football pitch. I also agree with what you said at the start there is that I don't think you can play Cavani every game. So I think the natural partner there is Rashford. Why? Because if you're playing that system and you need someone to run, maybe from a little bit deeper, break the offside trap, it's going to be Rashford. He's the guy with the pace, a straight line pace in that channel. And I think that's what we'll see. So I think you'll see that, that Rashford doesn't start games uh, in the same way that he was, like say last season. Um, I think Jaden Sancho is anonymous and might not even get games at all. Five, 10 minutes at the end of matches, paying 75 million for that. I, you know, it's just crazy business. And I also think now the progression of uh, Mason Greenwood is at risk because he will only play in that system. I think if Ronaldo gets injured or if United revert back to a four, two, three, one. And I really think uh, that he won't, I just don't think he will. He might go back there in a cup competition or experiment or where there's less risk. But the risk is so high at the moment, Scott, that like if he loses just one game, the world goes mad. So like, I think he gets that. I think he understands that he has to shut people up. So he went to Tottenham to shut up a large part of the Manchester United fan base and the wider uh, football community. That's exactly what he did. He shut everyone up and he walked out of that stadium feeling good about himself. So, you know, that's why you have to give him a pat on the back for that. But there's bigger hurdles to jump now in the weeks ahead. Yeah, he did uh, mention in his pre-match ahead of the Atalanta game, that he loves the criticism, keep it coming, because I love to answer to it. Uh, so it was a victory for Oli uh, on Saturday, and we are recording ahead of the Atalanta game, but I think 
Ollie's job would really have only been at risk if he'd have lost the Spurs game going into the Atlanta game. So we feel like whatever the result is, unless it's an awful performance, an awful result, we feel that he's pretty safe uh, in his position at the moment. You mentioned Marcus Rashford just now. Uh, he was one of the players in the aftermath of that game who essentially showed his support publicly for Ollie. Uh, there was a, I think he called out an article on Twitter where he said, do I have a problem with the manager? Absolutely not. I can't remember. I am paraphrasing here, but he, it was a public declaration. Uh, Paul Pogba did it last week as well, as we mentioned on last week's show. Uh, so the players are fully behind Ollie, aren't they? Yeah, and we've heard this consistently from Manchester United and from the dressing room for such a long time. Is that it's not a case of whether the United players like Oli. You know, this this is a business at the end of the day. You know, players react in business terms. This is not about friendships. This is about if are they happy in the workplace, you know, like we all are when we have bosses and one thing or another, and you sometimes you're happier under a different boss and whatnot. I think you saw at Tottenham Hotspur the even after only 13 games, the senior players at Spurs were not happy with the manager. And what happened? The manager is gone. And boards react in that way when we talk about player power. And also in the press, we're always talking, aren't we, about whether a manager has lost the dressing room. Well, Oligan Solskjaer has not lost his dressing room. And I think that's quite interesting considering how bad United have been, is that the players themselves have kind of come up publicly, but also quite kind of straight up in private that they're taking the blame. They're putting it on their shoulders. Luke Shaw came out after the game and when it's, this is not about manager. This is not about manager or our tactics. It's about us. It's about us not being good enough and we want to be better. So I think that in the lead up to the Spurs game, that was the focus of trying to find a way to be more solid and to allow your, your strengths to come through. And we saw that Manchester United went and did that. They played several defenders they allowed the front three to go and do their thing, let Bruno kind of link up in those areas, and it worked. But that was just one game. you know. So you're right to kind of question if they can do it going forward. I think they'll carry on doing it because I think they've been searching for a way to stop losing matches. That's the first thing. You've got to find a way to become a tough team again. I think one of United's great performances over the years was in Paris, wasn't it? When uh, they went there, they played three at the back, and they swallowed up. Paris Saint-Germain absolutely swallowed them up, you know, did no problem at all. Mbappe didn't get a sniff, you know, Axel Two and Xavier was excellent that day. And then when you look at the system now, it makes perfect sense that you've got Varane at the club, Maguire's going to play, so you play an extra centre-back. But it doesn't mean the United are going to be playing out from the back. I think it's just more about shape and just making sure that you don't lose games during a really, really tough period. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch on as well, what that win, that that game was dubbed, I hate to take social media terms, but El Sacico, it was, it was dubbed that way because there were two managers going into that game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium under serious pressure. And it did look as though it was Ollie who was under more serious pressure, you know, ahead of time. If he'd have lost that game, then it would have been his position uh, on the line. Instead, as it turned out, United won convincingly. And Ollie is somehow managed to conjure up another win for himself by essentially taking his main contender, or so it's been seemed, his main contender to replace him out of the picture completely because Antonio Conte is all but confirmed to go to Tottenham and he could even take training. We are recording on Tuesday morning, as I say. He could even take training on Tuesday and 
this deal has fallen apart before, but it seems like everything's dotted, uh, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed. I've said that right, haven't I? I think. Uh, and it looks like Spurs are ending up with a manager who has an incredible winning record in a good couple of countries. So Oli now has strengthened his position by eliminating Antonio Conte from the process completely. Uh, United were not obviously that keen on him. I think if if they had been, then they might have uh, acted a little bit differently, but they stuck to their guns, United, and now Oli, his position... Is it stronger now? Does that mean, let's say he loses at Man City, or he loses against Man City on Saturday heavily? What happens then? Because Antonio Conte was seemingly the only contender, even though Brendan Rodgers' name has come up since, Pochettino's name has come up since. What do you make of it? Well, if Man City come to Old Trafford and win 12 0, we get sacked. Just simple as that. Yeah. So I still think that he's walking a tightrope. Um, there has definitely been moves from the football club in the past week to talk to agents, to talk to managers, to kind of to kind of sound out options. So we know this. I think with Ole, you know, winning the Tottenham game was, again, just kind of about putting out a fire. So the fire's burning, put the fire out, at least get back to some kind of standing in football terms because his stock had dropped so low. You know, you saw all the press attacks, fans, moderate fans as well, losing faith in him. But he went to the Tottenham game he went and he did the job. So you, you can't, in, in football terms, kind of have a go at him for that. He's there. That's, this is, he did what Nuno didn't do. So like Nuno couldn't find a way on that, in that football match, and Nuno was gone. Uh, and, and I also think there's a big difference there in the playing squads. As I said, I think the Spurs playing squad had lost faith in Nuno very early. Certainly maybe their, their very famous England captain. And I think when you look at the United team, it's the opposite, is that they're all trying to make it work. It's just that maybe the connection between the manager's philosophy and what they're actually doing is not, is not, is not there at the moment. So I think with Antonio Conte, I think that he's, he's definitely an Anglophile. He's a Londonite. He wants to be in London. And I think Spurs is a good fit for him. And I also think that the political side of the football club is that Spurs are run a little bit like that in the sense of they're a reactionary club. We know of Man United and we know with the Glazers and the board that they, you know, they are a snail's pace board. They do everything very slowly. They like to look and look and look and look and look. And while the world is going mad, they're still looking. So the number one target for them, if Ole was to fail in the weeks ahead is a clear one. It's Brendan Rogers. Um, Brendan Rodgers has rightfully come out and said he doesn't really think about that stuff. But we all do know that Brendan wants a bigger football club. We know this. He's, he's talked about managing big clubs before and his ambition. And I do think that, again, stylistically, in terms of profile and the fit and personality, Brendan Rodgers is much more of a Manchester United candidate for this conservative board than Antonio Conte. You know, of Antonio Conte, it's not really about his previous it's about who he is and he does have that kind of Italian fire in him. And I think that that would have been maybe a little bit of a problem for a new chief executive in Richard Arnold, who who's not doing the job yet, but is doing it kind of already behind the scenes. Um, I don't think that's a good fit for the board. I think fans would have preferred Conte. You know, I've heard so many people this week go mad about the Rogers link, you know, United fans just do not want him. Um, but Conte ask, will be off the market now. What you think of Rogers, Rob? Um, I, I've said, 
I've, I've been really consistent about this. Conte was my first choice. There's no doubt about it, just simply because of his track record and I think the way he plays. And I think the merit of playing 3-5-2 can suit this squad. We saw that against Spurs, and I've been saying it for the whole week before, saying that this is the tactic probably United needed to employ. I think Brendan Rodgers is a world-class coach. And people were saying to me, world-class? That's a big statement. When you talk to people in the game that have worked with Brendan Rodgers, and you talk to people behind the scenes in coaching terms, Everyone says exactly the same thing about Brendan Rodgers and that he is elite, elite at managing players, elite at tactical systems, elite at coaching. Now, people might say, oh, but, 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 I've heard he failed at Liverpool. Well, when you talk to people who work at Liverpool, they'll say something different. They'll say it was just timing, really. You know, he did an amazing job getting Liverpool anywhere near the title because they were a mess when he went there. And you talk to people at Leicester and they're the other way. All last week, people were saying to me from a Leicester background, Stop talking about Brendan Rodgers. We don't want him to leave the club. You know, he's an outstanding coach and everyone loves him because of how good he is. This is, I think, how Manchester United operate as well. They want someone of that ilk. Um, I know that global United fans, they want the sexy football. They want, they want passion. They want names. You know, I think now other United fans are looking at Zidane. They're looking at anything that's big and that's shiny that excites Scott. United fans are all over it, aren't they? You know, you get Ronaldo, I buy the shirt, and I'm happy for all of six minutes until we lose the next game. And I, and I think that Brendan Rodgers is a fantastic candidate. I really, really do. And I think that he fits the longer-term project for Manchester United. And I would 100% back his appointment if he was the next manager of Manchester United. Brendan Rodgers currently at Leicester City. Uh, Antonio Conte bound for Tottenham Hotspur. That's two managers of two clubs who perhaps inferior to United in terms of quality of player. But I'm looking at the Conte appointment at Tottenham and I'm thinking that there now is an immediate threat to United's position in the top four. Because I think there's three teams in Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester City who are pretty much guaranteed to make it regardless because of the quality of their coaches. United have not performed to the levels expected of them Uh, so far this season, obviously. And now Tottenham, who I think most people would have put them sixth or seventh, maybe fifth uh, in the league preseason. Now they've got a coach who demands the absolute very best. And I'm thinking that Spurs have gone up a notch there. I think they might be, I can't remember exactly where they are in terms of the table. I'm just going to look at that quite quickly. Tottenham are ninth and two points behind Manchester United in the table after 10 games. So that's not impossible for Conte to turn around. They're only four po- or five points off the top four. Do you worry, Rob, that Conte could turn Spurs quite quickly into a team that could pretty much force their way into the top four and capitalise on any mistakes Manchester United make? Well, I haven't worked in this game for so long and watched football my whole life. I tend not to stay up at night and think about these things. So I think that when you look at Tottenham, the that the context kind of three, five, two suits them. I think it will be Kane plus one up top. And I think in the last maybe couple of years, the best football Tottenham have played is when the system has been about Kane and son up top. So if you can find a way to get the most out of those two guys, I think you've got a much bigger chance of being in the top four. Um, but you know, don't cry over spilt milk. Like Conte was my first choice 
but he's not the only choice. And if you want a guy who's won trophies and, you know, say your mandate is blokes with blokes with cups, you know, I need to hire a guy with cups. Well, Zidane's on the market. So go and get Zidane if you just want blokes with cups. Or do you want someone that fits what you're trying to do a longer term uh, fit with your system? I think that if you bring Brendan Rodgers in, Brendan Rodgers finds a system that gets the most out of Sancho, that gets the most out of Rashford, and gets the most out of Greenwood. I'm not sure that happens with Zidane. I'm not sure even with Conte that would have happened. I think he would have found a way. But I do think that you need to be very wary of what your squad is and what it can do and find the coach that matches it. Because I think also when you bring in a coach that just wants to rip up everything and start again, that doesn't help you either. You know, you end up having to go through two or three years of pain, selling everyone, moving them on. Uh, I think United, the, the priority is still top four, but they should be really challenging for titles with this squad. And you need to find a manager now that fits that mandate to be able to get you closer to winning trophies. They have slipped away, no doubt, this season in 13 or 14 games. You know, we've gone from saying title challenge to like fourth to now sixth and maybe even below. And a lot will depend on what Ole can succeed in maybe, say, these this kind of short-term interim. And this is why I think we will see 3-5-2. Because I think we talked about 3-5-2 a lot last week. And it suddenly manifested itself in a match. And United won 3-0 and probably played their best football of the whole season. You know, let's be honest, I think the Tottenham game was the best they've actually shown on a football pitch this year. Talking of extra options for managers, uh, we've talked about Brendan Rodgers. I personally think this is just a hunch, but if United somehow managed to stick with Ollie for the remainder of the season, miss out on top four. I think there's a bloke in Paris who potentially could be at risk of the chop if he doesn't win the Champions League. So I think that might be a potential option for them as well. I think Pochettino is very much still Edward Wood's favourite. He always has been. And... It was always about timing when he was at Spurs, you know, and the manager's job and United gave the job to Solskjaer obviously after the interim period, but they did want Pochettino. There was no secret about that. So I agree with you. I think if Pochettino is available at any time now and Paris are, are a modern oil football club, aren't they? If they're not winning games, what they're going to do, they're going to sack the manager. They're not going to sack Messi, are they? So they'll, they'll do that. They'll get rid of the manager and they'll move him on. And I think Pochettino suits a project more than he suits maybe one of the glamour teams. So I think when you look at, you know, I'm not saying Manchester United, not a glamour team. They are absolutely one of those glamour teams, a bit of a kind of, a, as I said, a pantomime at times. But I think that what the board are trying to do and what their long-term vision is, it suits Pochettino. He likes the Premier League as well. I think that suits his style. And he also builds clubs. You know, that's kind of how he likes to do it. So I agree with you. I think that that maybe they're looking a little bit into the future and saying, right, come on in, Ole. You've got your contract. See what you can do up to Christmas, maybe. And if it goes wrong by then at Christmas time, January, that's the end. But then they might go for an interim and wait for Pochettino. If they get those vibes, you know, like, and this is, this is kind of how boards do it. Um, they would like Pochettino. It's not going to happen tomorrow, though. So I think this is where United fans need to be a little bit patient because we need to see a little bit more football in the weeks ahead to see if Ole is worthy of keeping his job. Um, off one result, it looks it, but there's plenty more games to come. Personally, my preferred option, uh, Mauricio Pochettino, I would say. 
I can't really get my head around the Brendan Rodgers Liverpool stuff and him him coming to United. I'm I'm one of those. I understand his uh, merits as a coach. He's a, definitely a very good coach, but I think that would just be too much for me. But I, I I want to address that because I hear it all the time. I've heard it a lot the last couple of weeks. And as I like to say, and this is my kind of stock answer to that, is that Sir Matt Busby was a Liverpool player, and our greatest goal scorer of all time was a scouser. So you've got to kind of look at it, I think, from a bit more of a widescreen lens for, for the football fans. But I do also think that, I don't know, like say Jurgen Klopp came on the market tomorrow. Would we all be going, no, oh, he was a former Liverpool manager. We don't want him. No, I think we'd be taking him. I think there's a kind of bit of personality politics going in with Brendan Rodgers is that he isn't the most exciting candidate and he doesn't really talk up the talk in front of a camera. He's just not very good at that. He's certainly not a Mourinho or a Van Gaal. You know, he hasn't really got a big gob as he's a quiet spoken man. But I think if you want a proper coach and you want someone in coaching terms who kind of does and ticks those boxes. I think he's a really good candidate, but I think Pochettino is the better candidate, but Pochettino is currently in a very big job with Lionel Messi in Paris at the moment. We'll see if he can get that right. He's, uh, he come, he's coming under pressure quite early on. Didn't win the league last season. Obviously he's having trouble with Messi at the moment and getting all of those star names working. We will see what happens. Uh, let's preview the Manchester Derby on Saturday. We've, uh, we've rambled on enough about, United's managerial situation task at hand for Saturday is to beat Manchester City. United have a good record against City, actually. Uh, I can think of a, a fair few wins, but they, they've also been pasted by City at, at times as well. So, you know, this one is a huge game. It really is going into the international break. They don't want to end up losing. They want to end up playing well. They want to end up with a win, they will go level on points with City in the league table if they do manage to beat them. Uh, and while Chelsea ahead of them might be quite a way off yet, that would be a certain way to stop the criticism for Ollie, wouldn't it? But uh, how do you, what are your immediate thoughts going into this derby, Rob? I think he's going to play 3 5 2 in a low block, and I think he's going to try and hit him on the counter attack. Game over, podcast over. By you know, I think this is the problem is that, that there, there isn't really a, a kind of debating option here because when United have tried to press and do more progressive stuff, they've just looked so bad and they really tried to stick to their philosophy in the Liverpool game. And what happened? They got stuffed five nil. And I think Ole understands that if there's any bad result, like really bad, like we come out of it and the, you know, the bleeding starts again and it's hemorrhaging and it's all over the place and you've got to clean it up. I don't think he gets another chance. I really don't. I think it's kind of the end. And, and, and I think he knows that and the players know that. So they're going to play a system that allows them to try and win the game. And if they have, what, 25% of the ball? I don't think they care now. I think it's about if you've got 25% of the ball and you win 1-0, then job done. Because that's what this game is about. At this level, it's about winning. You've got to find ways to win. So they found a way to win at Spurs. And this next Premier League game will show whether this United team have got some longevity in 3-5-2. Uh, and I think the shape of the squad is, I think it's it's it fits 3-5-2 probably better than it fits 4-2-3-1. And I think that we will just see a repeat of this now. I, I think all the way up to Christmas. I would not be surprised if they get a good result against City because I think City showed against Crystal Palace that they're not they're not infallible. They've got themselves maybe some issues up top and trying to find a way to fit their biggest pieces in their team this year. Um, but I'd still think that they'll keep the ball well. And I think that they'll hurt United if United don't run. So if United don't run and don't put the work rate in, 
then I think City win this game two, three, four, five nil, and it's and it's a an easy day at the office for them. The easy criticism to level at City is that they don't have a striker, um, and you know, do you do you buy into that? Not at all. Like I, again, my show with the masterclass we talk about systems all the time that's the kind of the idea about that talk tactics why managers do certain things and there's no doubt that the false system is now popular you know once upon a time you'd say oh we play a false nine people go what's a false nine well i think what people now now know with the way that Firmino plays at spur at, at uh, liverpool what a false nine is now we know that when aguero is leaving the football club that City were going towards a false nine system. Um, Guardiola likes it. And I don't think you could have a better false nine than Phil Foden. Like the boy is a genius. So if you put him in that system, allow him to play between the lines and cut you open, he could be, you know, the best false nine in Europe. He really has got that potential. And then also you've got someone like Ferran Torres who can play a false nine role. So he's injured at the moment. So, you know, that's why he's not, he's not featuring. So no, I, I'm good with that. I think that that system, I wanted United to play that system this year. I wanted to see United play a false nine system with Bruno Fernandes, as the false nine and you play around that allow Bruno to play on the edge of the box go and do the work in and out the channel I think that would have been fantastic this year Oligan and Solskjaer doesn't play a false nine and that's why they haven't done it it'd be an interesting game I think uh, Oli as we alluded to earlier has a good record record against Pep he's shown previously that he can outwit him in a sense I remember there was one specific game at the Etihad I know this is at Old Trafford but the one that sticks out in my mind was he kept, I think it was Marcus Rashford and Dan James very high out wide and they just, they were in consistently uh, and they managed to win the game. I think Tony Marshall scored, Marcus Rashford might have scored a penalty in that on that day as well. Um, that's not the only win. I think he's got four wins against him in eight games. So that's a decent record, to be honest. And I think Pep has never really shown any, maybe he has a little bit last season, uh, but he, he plays one way, right? He, he sticks to his ideals and he is happy for his teams to stick to that. And if it means being picked off in certain ways, he'll just come out and say, Oh, you're not playing football the right way. <laughs> you know, and this, this kind of business, he wants people to go head to head with him, doesn't he? But there is a way for United to win this game. Absolutely. And I think as well with Guardiola is that he doesn't change his system and neither does Klopp, but they do tweak them. You know, so Klopp last year did go to a 4-2-3-1 for a large part of the season. It wasn't particularly attractive, but he did do it. And I think with Guardiola as well, we're playing the false system. If he doesn't feel that, that his false line gives him the impact up front, he will tweak the system to have another forward in there to put an extra player in the box. So I think the seeing the Palace result will motivate the City players, but I think also Guardiola might tweak stuff to address the fact that he knows United are going to play with seven or eight behind the ball because United are going to try and clog up those channels that City want to exploit. Um, so it's going to be an interesting tactical game. And, and you're right there. You know, Solskjaer's played some incredibly, you know, decorated managers over the last two or three years and he's schooled lots of them. You know, he's, he's showed that he can deal with, with Klopp. He's dealt with Guardiola brilliantly so many times he absolutely dealt with Tuchel at PSG. You know, he really did. He showed that he could find a way to beat them. What did he do to Nagelsmann last season? He beat him 5-0 at Old Trafford, is it? 5-1. You know, so he showed that he can take these kind of generational tactical coaches that everyone loves and wants to watch their football, and he can beat them. So I think that that is still there. And now you've got Ronaldo. 
you should be able to find the firepower you need to score goals. But of course, it's not worked like that at the moment. So I think that the kind of maybe the ideal of playing a progressive system is out the window. I mean, United will play more counter-attack, free at the back. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start winning games, Scott. I wonder what the fan base will react like to that. We will see. They'll hate it. They'll hate it. Let's be honest. Let's be straight up about it. They, they'll hate it because I think there's a big wave of people at Ole out. There was before even this, like even at the start of the season, people wanted him to go. So I, I think every game he wins now, there's just a whole glum section of the fan base. You know, and this is maybe the difference between some of the global fans and maybe the match going fans. The match going fans are still singing. You want to win games. You know, I felt good that we won 3 0 at Spurs. Then you you kind of turn on social media and you see how how upset some United fans are because they want the manager gone. So I, I think the pantomime will carry on, and I think that Manchester United could start winning games with this system. Let us know, everyone, what you think will happen in the Manchester derby. I don't want to put you on the spot, Rob, and get a prediction off you, but I think I can tell from your tone that you feel optimistic. Goalless draw. <laughs> keep it keep it safe. I, I, I would say I think I wouldn't be. I think United will play it safe, and I also don't think City will come maybe as you know with their knives out as they might have done a few weeks ago. I think that they're also kind of looking inwards at themselves to try and find ways to get results. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's still an exciting game, maybe a bit of hell for leather, but I think it'll be a lot of defending uh, and a lot of clogging channels. We'll see. That is the early kickoff on Saturday in the Premier League. Before the international break, United have somehow come through the mud uh, and have, at the time of recording anyway, managed to win their last game. They face Atalanta in the Champions League. We are recording ahead of that game. Uh, so enjoy that one if, you've, if you're if you listening ahead of time. And hopefully, we, well, fingers crossed, United will win that game too and solidify their position in that group. But uh, remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Uh, drop us a review um, give us a high star rating if that is possible uh, we we would enjoy that thank you very much and follow us on Twitter too um, I'm at, at underscore Scott Saunders Rob is at underscore Rob underscore B and on Twitter we are at Promiseland MU um, I think that's it Rob do you have any parting words I think the only thing I'd like to say about Oliver Solskjaer is this he's two things he's thick skinned and he's a survivor and he's shown this, I think, during his Manchester United tenure. And he was like that as a player when people thought he was a goner because he used to sit on the bench. He used to show he's thick-skinned and that he was a survivor. And then he'd end up on a football pitch and win you a football match. So I think as a manager, this is kind of how he takes himself, he carries himself that way. So it will not surprise me if he finds a way out of this because the guy is a survivor. He keeps going and he doesn't listen to popular opinion. He listens to himself. This club is an absolute roller coaster. So uh, get ready for the next wave, whichever direction we go in. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, get in touch with us on the social channels, as I just mentioned. And thank you very much for listening. We'll see you soon. <laughs>